Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on this episode, Games of Late, I'm so, f- I got to, de- oh, I'm, I can't wait for that part. Um, some news, and uh, we're going to do some you're reviews. Not, you're not looking forward to the news? Well, I am, but you know what? It's dangerous. Uh, I'm going to uh, review uh, Viticulture. And I'm going to review <laughs> Imperial Steam. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award, presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to go into some games of late. And uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, Yeah, no, no, I I can go. A couple weeks ago, we talked about some of our anticipated games from 2021 that we we never did get to play. Well, I actually got to scratch one of those off the list um, recently where I ended up getting to pick up a copy of, I think it's pronounced Cubitos or Cubitos. I can't remember. Uh, maybe it's Cubitos because they're all if you're dealing from with Chicago, dice. Chicago, it's Cubitos. The Cubitos. Cubs. It's the Cubs. The Bears. The Bears. <laughs> <laughs> this game does have bears in it. By <laughs> So um, now from now on, you're going to play that and go, at the Bears. The bear, whenever that card comes out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the latest by AEG. Well, I guess it's not the latest by AEG, but um, a 2021 release by AEG and designer John D. Clare, who yeah. has his designer mitts and a whole bunch of things that AEG does, probably most famously for Space Base and the Mystic Veil. Um, series and he's got a whole bunch of schwack load of other um, designs cool. out there and this is his take on a I believe it's it's, it's a racing game but well it is a racing game because it's the first person to go around the track and finish the race first is the is the winner and this game drew a lot of comparisons gameplay wise to the quacks of Quedlinburg um, this was one that Jeff from amazing stories had told me that this game completely um, replaced the Quacks of Quedlinburg for him. And I can see the similarity. There is the element of, this is not a bag builder, but it's just a kind of like a, a pool builder. You just kind yeah. of, you start off with a common pool of dice. Everybody's got these dice in front of them. You're going to roll them. You're going to use them to move your guy around the track, and you're going to use them to buy new dice, which is kind of like, buying ingredients in quacks of Quedlinburg. so yeah and and all that there's oh my gosh how many are different dice are there i believe there's like eight or nine different 
dice that you can purchase. And every game is going to be a little bit different because each of those dice, let's just say, the, let's take the blue dice. Mm-hmm. The blue dice has six cards associated with it. And you just randomly pick one of those cards and that's the blue dice power for the game. <laughs> and all of the dice have like six cards that you just randomly select. And then, yeah, so then that's cool. The blue dice might be a very weak dice in one yeah. game, but then the next game, oh my gosh, everybody's going gaga for bananas for Frothin'. for the for the blue dice. And the really kind of cool part is that these dice, the probabilities on these dice of actually rolling a success are actually quite low. Most dice only ever have just one or two faces that are going to activate, and the rest of the faces are blank. Um, there are some dice there that there is a 50-50. There's, a three, um, there's three sides that can activate, three sides that are blank. Um, those ones are really, really nice to have. Because the whole point of this game is when you are trying to activate your dice, um, you roll them, and then you set aside, you put them into your ready area of your player board. Um, you roll them, and at, at any time that you roll your dice and you roll all blanks, it, you mm-hmm. bust. And therefore, you kind of forfeit taking any actions for the rest of the turn. So um, so there's a kind of a neat little push-your-luck mechanic of, hey, I, I rolled my dice. Yeah, you're rolling like a mitt full of dice. Like, it's, cool. It's, it's, it's not uncommon to be rolling like, like 12, 13 dice on your turn. Oh, so you yeah. have a big mitt full. And it's not uncommon just to roll 12 dice and get like two successes. Because (laughs) and you put them aside and you're like, okay, I only got two successes. Do I want to keep going? Yeah, I still got 10 dice here. I got to roll at least once and you roll them and then you either get more successes or you bust. And this is essentially what you do. And then you activate your dice, which will either move your guy, give you buying power. Cool. Cool. Um, A whole. I mean, like there's 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 oh, there's tons of crazy abilities on all of the cards that could possibly come out. I can totally see now how you say where it's it's kind of a parallel to the Quacks game. Yeah, because every ingredient like, yeah, in Quacks ex- had changing a your, power. Changing your function, yeah. Yeah, every every ingredient, yeah. in, and then you could swap those in and out, cool. stuff like that. So um, really enjoyed it. Um, the, very, the, the one that they say, use this as your first game experience type of thing was very boring. <laughs> as, of course. As Straight a, to the expert, man. You know better. Oh, oh right. It was like, okay, let's just learn how the system goes. And we obviously, both Jen and I went, yeah, we know which two dice that we need to go after. And we're yeah. not, we're going to ignore yeah. all the other ones. Yeah. So we're like, okay, let's just do a random setup. And the random setup was really, really kind of cool because she went one way with the dice and I went another way with the oh, dice. Oh, see, and, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely just ignore the first Take the race. training wheels off man and you know better than that and it's even better too the variability even picks up more because there isn't just one board that you can race around there's four boards that come in oh the, nice in, in the box so they're all double-sided and some maps are harder to get around some are easier to get around there's a lot sounds of like water hazards a, yeah sounds like there's a lot of variability which is yeah. really fun lots of different ways to cull your dice like if you yeah. want to get rid of the basic ones you're going to get more of the ones with the the powers and stuff like that yeah um really enjoyed it i don't know if this one replaces quacks of quedlinburg um but it is definitely i can see the parallels 
Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I, I, I do oh, yeah. think that there is room for both of them in a person's collection just because they could provide two completely different experiences. Oh, for sure. Uh, of, of with them. Uh, yeah. You get more variability with the quacks if you get the expansions. This one, obviously, this one can be expandable if they do decide to go with that way. And it was very popular. I don't know why they wouldn't want to expand this, but yeah. man, there's tons of variability already just in the original one and i i believe a new printing is coming like very very shortly at the very beginning of 2022 so it'll become readily available once again and that's cool. cubitos i'm gonna go with cubitos <laughs> aeg john d claire john d claire you are you should have made the designer series episode where we like gotta pay attention to what that guy's doing because man you know man he's starting <laughs> yeah. to become one of those jack of all trades designers Kate. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Funny you say that because the neck, the game I'm going to talk about, there's a designer there where I'm like, oh, they, that should have made the list. So we should have an episode of the, <laughs> designers, the, list. We, the designers that should have made the list. Yeah. I finally played, and I never thought that I would have the opportunity because there's no solo in it. But uh, Dave brought this over last Wednesday and uh, played Whistle Mountain, mm. uh, designed by Scott Caputo and Luke Laurie and published by Bezier Games. And uh, yeah, you, I know you have the Whistle Stop and you have Whistle Mountain, and they're not similar only in the fact that they're, I think thematically they're from the same realm. Yeah. But as far as games go, they're so different. So um, Whistle Mountain um, it immediately gave me the same vibe as, uh, as uh, Mountain King. Um, that uh, Jay okay. Cormier game, right? Because um, in this game, uh, um, you're trying to build um, towards the top of Whistle Mountain. And, and by, by building, I'm saying you're putting some polyomino pieces um, at the base of, of the, the mountain and you're starting to um, uh, build upwards in the scaffolding as you're, as you're connecting all these uh, polyomino pieces together you now have the opportunity to put is it um uh, is it machines in i think everybody drops machines oh, in yeah like that, pieces, that, of pieces of scaffolding yeah um no well the scaffolding, oh, oh no oh yeah right right yeah. the pieces of machine yeah yes yes yeah yes. the machines that go in that give you better uh resources because the functionality between these scaffolds and and it's honestly it's like a worker placement because you have these dirigibles um, and uh, you have a dirigible, a big blimp that takes up three squares, and then you have a smaller blimp that takes up two, and then you have a balloon that takes up one. Now, the function of these is, uh, on, like, there's so many things to do. I, I, we, I could talk about this for a long time, but I don't want to. Um, but where you place these dirigibles on the map um, accesses resources for you, mm. and those machine shops um, are... Um, high, let's say, 
um, high functioning and very meticulously built machines that provide really cool things. And that's where you can create this, this um, um, engine built, built into, the, um, into the game and it's accessible by everybody. You could put that in there, but you'll get the points. But as far as its um, function as a resource generator, everybody can access it. So um, what's important in that as well is when you um, there, there's putting workers out on the scaffolds because when you put machines on, the workers that are in that area get pushed to the side and are now into this bonus point structure, which is really cool because of this interconnectivity of the point um, scaffolding system, if you want to use the same metaphor. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this game is so, like at first, <laughs> okay, I was the only one who did, it was, this was the first play and Dave and Jordan played a lot of it. So, I mean, <laughs> I got, I got <laughs> smoked. But um, boy, did I learn a lot! <laughs> yeah, th this is uh, one. This is one we like to call combo of the game because you're looking yeah. for combos and you want to find something that you need and to the exploit. Cards, yeah. yeah, you can pull these cards. Oh yeah, there's so much to the point where you're looking at somebody going, for some reason that feels illegal. What you just did? How can you? You can't do that. Yeah. It's like, oh geez, you can. Can you? And yeah, then of course, the, Jordan is the master of the block. Oh, I don't have to pull my blimp. I can leave it there. You're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's um, there's the area of the board where you can get like uh, kind of like the cog wheels that have the yeah. special bonuses. Oh on yeah, them. yeah, yeah. You got those the upgrades, yeah. and then you those combo change that. the rules for you too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Combo that with the cards with your own starting ability and your yeah the, your personal ability at the beginning of the game. Oh man, yeah. yeah. There's just so many layers now it's it's now how you said the whole the whole thing about uh about cubitos replacing or not replacing quacks um and that they're they're similar in regards to their mechanical structure but they're different in regards to their game system and feel right mm -hmm. um this is the same thing for me in in the hall of the mountain king because um in in uh whistle mountain there's a lot of player interaction. There's a lot of bumping shoulders and elbows and, and, and uh, you know, kind of, um, <laughs> um, how should we say, passive aggressively stabbing someone in the side of the leg <laughs> as you kind of move your meeple into a better position. Um, now, whereas in the Hall of the Mountain King, there's, you're pl basically playing in your little dig dugout area of this mountain and there's relatively no interaction. So I, I'm appreciating both. Yeah, this one, um, I really enjoyed the fact that it is you are creating the worker placement spots in that mm -hmm. scaffolding area because it's all pile. common. Yeah, you have a pile of tiles. There's so much variability. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, because that is where when you place your Zeppelin or you place your Blimp yeah. or something like that, that's how you get your resources in order to build yeah. all the different things. And, and everybody's got access to them. I like the idea that you can only have four. There's four different resources, and you can only have four max. So mm -hmm. if you if you you know uh, a place into a resource area that you know gives you more, um, yeah, it's it's wasteful. So there's an efficiency that's going on there too, which I really like. Because oh no, Matt, you want to do that. You want to put those things there because it blocks other people. No, no, but that's what I mean. <laughs> as far as as far as you going, oh, there's no hoarding, right? You gotta you gotta run your resources pretty slim and fast. Yeah. 
But yeah. then there's also hate blocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, did I mention that? Yeah. Did I mention I got the learning curve was pretty harsh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's Whistle Stop. By, Whistle Mountain. Uh, Whistle Mountain but from the Whistle Stop series. I was in my head. I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, so, hey, so is it is is that just pretty much it is the art is very similar or near identical and it's thematically connected to the same realm. Yes. Okay. Compl- not, not even remotely yeah. close to Whistle yeah. Stop. Because Dave has the, the other game as well. And he's like, no, don't even confuse the two. They just share words similar. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. It's, it's like it's like architects of the West Kingdom, paladins of the West yeah. Kingdom. Yeah. It's cool. in the West Kingdom, but completely different games. So that was Whistle Mountain um, by Scott Caputo, Luke Laurie, who's brilliant with the worker placement mm. and published by Bezier Games. And Scott Caputo is the master of the tile laying. Oh, that's games. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, what a wonderful fusion. Nice. Hi. If you like the content we're creating and the podcast episodes we're producing, please leave a happy rating on the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift and would also help others find our podcast when they search for board game podcasts. And if you have the time... Check out our new YouTube channel where we have new content every few days. Just search Bridge City Board Gamers on YouTube. Thanks, eh? And we're back. This is uh, Cardboard Conjecture, and we're going to... It's time for the news! I'm still getting used to it. I don't know about that. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you to start the news, but it's like, oh, wait, no. I threw some stuff down there. Yeah, you threw this stuff in. I have n- zero knowledge about anything that you've plugged in for the news, which is good. Okay, okay. so so um, let it, let us, let's kind of be very um, Canadian here and um, identify what we're really talking about while we're talking about stuff here. <laughs> and what we're really talking about is Kickstarter kind of jumped the shark and uh, started wanting to, how shall I say, abuse the uh, the investors and uh, start to, you know, make stuff up <laughs> and inflate the, you know, the costs as, yeah. you know, as, we, so it's not like we are, we are coming on here to like, we, <laughs> Norm and I do not, I don't think, have the slightest understanding of everything that oh. is blockchain, NFTs, all this other kind of stuff. All my knowledge is all secondhand, yeah. but it all leads down to I am not 100% agreeing with the way that they want to go with their company. Here's here's my final litmus test of, of you know, go away or I'm, you know, stay here, go away is uh, I was I watched a video, an interview, where um, this uh, British interviewer was interviewing Keanu Reeves and, uh, uh, and Moss about the new Matrix stuff. And he was starting to talk to him about, you know, these, these this digital pyramid scheme, right? And how, you know, it's legitimate. And, and Keanu Reeves just buckles over and starts belly laughing. Like, you're so out to, you're just laughing at the guy. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, so my instincts are correct. This is 
so full of hot air that it's just people yeah. wanting to like go for a money grab. Yeah. So, so our so our news segment tonight is just two gu- two old guys yelling at a cloud, shaking our get, fists. Get away from my yard! <laughs> old man You're yells hiding. at cloud. You're hiding the heat on me. <laughs> so that being said, we're going to passive aggressively talk a lot about GameFound. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, <laughs> but also, um, you like before we started, we, we kind of already started talking about this. The idea that uh, things are getting a bit out of control in regards yeah. to prices Actually, and costs. On Twitter, um, Restoration Games had the perfect response to the whole Kickstarter thing. And they pretty much came out and said, you know how much time and effort, like everybody's just saying is it's the cancel culture right now. Cancel Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. We're not supporting Kickstarter. We're not supporting any kind of that. There are a lot of companies out there like Restoration Games that have already pooled tons of resources into creating some campaigns that are going to be coming out very, very shortly. Like within like January, February here. They are not going to pull those campaigns and go to some other some other platform because that means they have to redesign everything. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn about everything, stuff like that. They had the perfect response, which is exactly what I was wanting to do because we all know that I'm Mr. Kickstarter. I <laughs> love backing projects. I love funding things and love the. If you want to support the project, if you want to support the project, don't do it through Kickstarter. Do it through their pledge manager. So Restoration Games is now is there on there because I think they have what is it um, Vendetta? Nice. I can't remember what. Oh, what's oh, the yeah, project? Oh yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Something is coming up. Yeah. Coming up very shortly. So they're going to have a pledge level that is ten dollars to get you into there. So they're going to get some. They're going to kind of get a significant portion of money coming in. Ten dollars at a time. Pay their, sh- their pay their share to Kickstarter. So ten dollars <laughs> at a time. Kickstarter is going to take a cut of that. Okay, and then that gets you access to their pledge manager. Now you can go purchase the game because they're going to have whatever through CrowdOx or any backer kit or all of these things. And then therefore they're going to get more money, and and you're not going to (laughs) give you're not going to be giving your money straight to Kickstarter. Yeah, or much of your money. They're not going to get a cut of a big piece. They're going to get a cut of a small piece. This is the whole um, back at the one dollar level to gain access to the pledge manager, and then. I kind of started doing that a little bit more because, you know, tying up your money ahead of time is started becoming a thing in my world where I was like, I don't want to like commit a hundred dollars right now. Yeah. I want to commit a hundred dollars a little bit closer to when I know this project's going to fulfill. So do the $1 restoration games. Let's to have the pledge level where you just give us, give you the access to the pledge manager Make yourself feel good that you're not pledging all of your money and not a bigger cut yeah. of that's going to go to Kickstarter. That cool. is how I read into that uh, message that he he came out with. That's a workaround out of, that I kind of like. <laughs> so then absolutely, I, I got a feeling here that there's going to be an evolution of the crowdfunding platforms. I don't think you're going to see the stretch goals anymore. Like the stretch goals, like once we hit like $100,000, yeah. because yeah. people aren't going to be wanting to do that. I think you're going to now see if you want to do stretch goals, how many backers do we have? We've seen this in campaigns tons already. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, if we get 500 people backing, we can now do this. Yeah, it's not not tying it to a dollar level because yeah. if I know those people are going to come to my pledge manager, I'm going to get that money. Hopefully, then hopefully they yeah. don't just pledge ten dollars and then just yeah. not buy my game anymore. 
Um, so I feel like that's going to be a more of a, a more of a thing. Is it's going to be how many well, and factors? Then, and then I I'm, I throw out the point that uh, GMT does their P five hundred list. Yeah. Right. Where here's the game. Here's the whole thing. It's ready to roll. We just need to hit a threshold, and then we can get the machines going. So, um, and that puts it directly into the into the control of the. Of which the is a, which publisher. has been the thing about um, a company that I have supported for a long time, which was Simon uh, Games. Yeah, I have no. I don't know why they choose to keep using Kickstarter. If they threw that up on their website mm-hmm. as a pre-order, you know no, that yeah. it's all it, that the people are going to come. You yeah. know, you know it. We don't need to have the month-long, every day. There's brand new unlocks, and there's another seventy-five dollar box that you can add on, and your thing's going to cost you five hundred dollars at the end. They just put that on their website. They don't have to give a cut to Kickstarter. They take it all. <laughs> yeah, I, think I never understood yeah, this. I think Kickstarter is going to kind of wake people up and they'll go, hey, wait, 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 wait. There's a way around this where we don't really need you anymore. Kickstarter's got, already came out and said they don't care. They're, this is yeah. the this is the path that they want to take. Well, hopefully uh, all those other things will make them more money than... Uh, I don't think than, that they're paying attention to one of the biggest communities that's using the Kickstarter platform. I think As they're trying whole. to they're trying they're trying to cater to this other side of that NFT thing that I really the tech have. Side. Yeah, That's the, tech the tech side. side. Yeah, absolutely. And the yeah. um artists and the like I'm yeah. not a guy to talk about it but <laughs> Um, okay, you, you I'm, just, I'm, I'm just the old man shaking his fist at a cloud. You know what I'm finding really funny is because the the time on the segment of the news has pretty much been occupied with us shaking our fists at clouds in regards to crowdfunding. I know. So I don't even think we need to talk about uh, any of the games no, here. I'm just got one more thing because everybody said now jump ship to they say what's the alternative? Everybody's saying well jump ship to GameFound. Yeah, and you okay. presented the obstacle there. Okay, yeah. GameFound. But it's a European-based company. There's not another. Well, I guess there's that Indiegogo. There's another yeah. kind of. It's, no one's using it, and I got a feeling that they might say, I don't know, maybe maybe Indiegogo might come up and become the new platform that people are going to start using a little bit more. But yeah, GameFound being European-based, everything's always in euros. And like you said, like this game that you brought up to my attention, which I wanted to talk about, but I guess Palaces of Carrara. Yeah. But Which is like, a Kramer and Kiesling game, yeah. But 75 euros for a Euro <laughs> game. I can't justify that in Canada. This is the Queen get, Games. Get that is, cloud out of here! This is the Queen Games argument all over again. $150 for a Euro game? What? <laughs> now, now to, to be fair, they're deluxifying it and giving it a very, very special makeover here with oh, a yeah. lot of... Um, Oh, wooden like custom wooden components and game trays inserts oh. and yeah updated there's metal quite a co- jump. metal coins and there's yeah. quite a jump from the retail to deluxe that's for sure there is a huge 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 but I don't think that there's I mean, a, it looks great right don't get me wrong but oh, I, I'm just I and as I said before, before when we started I'm at the point where I'm just gonna wait till it hits the shelf because if it's that good. It'll mm-hmm. get to the shelves. I just oh, have yeah. to be patient, right? Yeah. My 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 big beef here is that they didn't they're not even offering a non-deluxe version of this game. 
I thought they are. There's a there's a nope. retail version. Not yeah, available not, on GameFound. Not available uh-huh. on GameFound. No, nope. if you go. want to wait till retail, wait till retail. But you can't pre-order. There's that pre-order word. You can't yeah. pre-order it. The retail version on here. You'll have to take your chances at retail. Well, that's all right. Then I guess I don't have. There's so many games to play. See, that's the thing. Is like, oh, okay. <laughs> there's the, when when we do a future episode when we look back on 2021. We're gonna we're gonna turn the turn the tide here. That Mr. Rao here has kind of very very drastically different views of the crowdfunding platform from beginning of 2021 at the end yeah. of 2021. That pendulum swung hard, hard. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're like listening, if Norm was listening to me at the at the very beginning before we went on live, I was just like. Oh yeah, yeah. Grumble, grumble, grumble. He's just like, yeah. do we, do we even do the news? Holy crap, man! You were Corey Curmudgeon, that's for sure. <laughs> Mister Curmudgeon, what do you feel about that? <laughs> I did have my grumpy pants on. <laughs> this episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge, right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology. Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's get to some reviews. Reviews. The reviews. <laughs> that wasn't even enhanced. <laughs> you push it so hard that it clips, it clips your uh, compressor and it just yeah, limits yeah, oh, it's you. Just like, oh, wait, there's actually nothing. There's no audio there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, how about, uh, how about you go first? Or do you want me to go first? It really doesn't matter to me. Um, I... Yeah. Do you, do you want me to go first in I'll, case I'll mine takes first. a little? Okay, yeah, you go first. Mine I'll might go, go a first. little long. Because mine, I mean, it's, um, <laughs> and this is funny because it, it just, it was one of those things where um, playing this a lot on Board Game Arena and um, solo, uh, in, you know, <laughs> live solo. <laughs> um, uh, but it was funny how I went to look at, to see if we've reviewed this game or I've reviewed this game and, um, and uh, we haven't. And this is Viticulture um, by Jamie Stegmeier and Alan Stone and published by Stonemeyer Games. And we've reviewed Wingspan. We've reviewed Euphoria. Um, uh, we've talked about Red Rising, right? But yeah. this one, it was like, wait, wait. So I'm going to talk about it. And uh, I'm going to talk about it with such joy and glee. Spoiler alert. I love this game. And uh, I want to take this opportunity to, like, tell you why. And uh, so, as we always do, um, uh, let's uh, finish up with some, uh, some details. Now, the Viticulture plays uh, one to six players. And uh, it was my first introduction in the, into the Atoma deck, um, developed by Morton Anderson, I believe. And uh, typically play t- at 90 minutes. But if you're solo, I've played this down into, like, 30, 35 minutes. Um, uh, it is. Now, let's get into the description here. In Viticulture, the players find themselves in the roles of people in rustic, pre-modern Tuscany who have inherited meager vineyards. 
they have a few plots of land, an old crush pad, a tiny cellar, and three workers. They each have a dream of being the first to call their winery a true success. The players are in the position of determining how they want to allocate their workers throughout the year. Every season is different on a vineyard, so the workers have different tasks they can take, uh, they can take care of in the summer and winter. There's competition over those tasks, and often the first worker to get the job has an advantage over subsequent workers. Fortunately, the players, people, love to visit wineries, and it just so happens that many of those visitors are willing to help out around the vineyard when they visit as long as you assign a worker to take care of them. Their visits in the form of cards are brief, but uh, can be very helpful. Using those workers and visitors, players can expand their vineyard by building structures, planting vines, which are vine cards, and uh, filling wine orders, which are wine order cards, um, players work towards the goal of running the most successful winery in Tuscany, and it's a race. It's it's a beautiful Euro race to 20 points or 25 points. Um, and, uh, yeah, this a worker, like, there's cards in it, but this a worker placement game of beauty and joy. And I have the um, essential edition Tuscany version which um, has all four seasons uh, rather than just the the uh, um, the two seasons, and has this really cool initiative track where where if you go later in the round, you get a little better bonus. But if you want to go first, there's no bonus. You're going first. You're early up in the morning, and then there is a area control map that just kicks in this extra level of goodness. And uh, I think that was kind of a and and this is with this game um it's there's it's kind of like a a a a love project of uh jamie stegmauer because it's had so many iterations and upgrades that uh this final iteration of essential edition tuscany uh format of a game um i think is is like a piece of opera (laughs) i just absolutely now again um the uniqueness of this game uh, and my, this review is going to be very fast and very tight because it's a worker placement game. Um, in every area of this game, it's all functioning mechanically towards um, filling out wine orders. And the wine orders are where you get your big points. So you can't ignore that. So it's basically worker placement engine building kind of situation where you have to um, manage your resources so tightly to the point where when do you upgrade your building when do you upgrade your cellar when do you some contracts might be so difficult to do because it's going to require you to uh, buy a new trellis or uh, um, do some certain little changes to your engine and can you invest that time because you're looking at the person beside you going how did they get into the how did they get off the crusher pad so fast into the into their wine cellars and they're already like cashing out and you panic right um this has such a fun challenge um for you using what you have as resources and also trying to now (laughs) it's not my style but hey if it's there blocking people it's a worker placement game and there's bonuses if you're the first one there uh, you, sometimes you get two cards. Sometimes you get to plant two, you know, um, 
you might not need it, but the person next to you or after you might need it more. So you might go, I don't even have any cards. I got one card. Okay, maybe I'll plant. And I know you're dying to plant cards. So um, yeah, we, we often talk about the unique mechanism. And I think the unique mechanism in this game is how everything synergistically connects front to back um, because this game runs in cycles and seasons and um, there is such a, um, a relative connection from the beginning. I mean, it's just, it's organic from the beginning of planting that seed to producing that product. Everything has to tie together. If it fractures game over, right? You're going to fall so far behind you're, or you're, you're going to be just that one contract. The path's the most painful being one contract behind the winner. Um, and I think that's what I love about the uniqueness of this game is how as a Euro goes, it's to me, it's like the first hybrid because, uh, and we talk about hybrid where it's a Euro and the, mm. the thematic games. This one pushes that theme so beautifully into the, the, the mechanism of the game where um, I enjoy every play, even solo. I, I just have so much fun. So, um, like I said, spoiler alert, this is a top shelf game for me. And um, I will go back to this game in a heartbeat. If even someone looks at the game, I'm already pulling, say, okay, let's do it, let's play it. So, yeah. And I know you've got some cool stuff to talk about viticulture. So, yeah. Yeah. Just one, uh, when, when Norm was talking about that, he has the viticulture essential edition Tuscany. The, the, Tuscany is the expansion. The, you have to get Viticulture Essential Edition first, which yeah, is the yeah. um, from the original iteration. There was Viticulture. It's the most recent, yeah. Yeah, there was Viticulture, <laughs> and then he had a Tuscany expansion, which was actually one of those kind of campaign expansions mm-hmm. where you unlocked things. And then they said, okay, I'm just going to put all of the best things <gasps> of both worlds in. Legacy Viticulture. Yeah, but you already oh. have all the best things. You already have the best things. <laughs> But yes, Viticulture Legacy Edition, Jamie, if you're listening, oh, I'd be all for that. I'll play test that. So yeah, I mean, there's you were part of that game too, where uh, where Ian was there, and everybody had blocked me out of planting um, so bad that I just went and bought um, um, you bought um, your sludge. Wine. Yeah. I bought my sludge and just put it into the crusher pad, and and I not once did I plant anything in my field, and I think. I lost by one point. Yeah. Yeah. It was was very, very remarkable. Everybody always complains about the one complaint that people have about viticulture is they, they don't appreciate the, or they don't like the randomness of the visitor cards. Yeah. Some people could get some really, really powerful visitor cards. They're going to grant them some points and they're just set up just perfectly just to cash them in. But Um, you cycle through those, you cycle them. yeah, Yeah. But you can't do that if you don't have the Tuscany expansion. You can't cycle through the cards. Yeah. Um, and then there is the um, Visitors of the Rhine Valley expansion, is, yeah. which is replacement deck of cards that I believe they said just kind of takes away that randomness. Yeah. And there, uh, I something. believe one of the expansions has uh, extra building that you can build. That just yeah. adds another dimension. So, yeah, I love this game. Thank you. Thank you, Stonemeyer. And this was one of his, like, this was one of the first ones. Like, like, this one came out, like, just after, I think, Euphoria. I think Euphoria was the first one, then Viticulture. It might have been mm-hmm. the other way around. I can't remember. Yeah. 
But but yeah, it was early on. It was, it was early one on. of the early editions yeah. that made people fall in love with Jamie Stegmeier and his designs and the Stonemeyer game products, which were yeah. accidentally and I ex- accidentally. Um, oh my gosh, talking is hard. Uh, <laughs> production okay. values. The production values are out- outstanding for what you got. And interesting, it just occurred to me how this ties back to our news with Kickstarter. Jamie Stegmaier was like the Kickstarter genius. It, like it wasn't that his, one of his other little niches was I know how to run a campaign. Yeah, and then he finally. Like, and then now and he got to a point where he can do it on his own. Yeah. Well, and then and there you go. He doesn't have to go through the pre-order. There we go. I hate kicks. It's a pre-order system. He can get all the money. He just does the pre-orders off of his own. Yeah. Put sells his stuff into distribution. Yeah. Stuff like that. So. So good game and good yeah. company structure. So. And yeah, he just and Jamie Stegmaier just came out too with a blog post about his thoughts on the whole Kickstarter blockchain, um, thing. And then where are those clouds? The clouds are back again. Yeah, and his comments on because Game Found also had a response into that. So he has he posted his thought. I haven't read it all, but I know it's going to be very well articulated on what his stance are. And his his opinion would be something that I would actually listen to because I think he yeah. knows what he's talking about when it comes to crowdfunding. As far as how businesses should work. Yeah, so Viticulture, uh, Jamie Stegmaier, Alan Stone, published by Snowmire Games. Yes, you need to play this point blank, done. Slam dunk, drop the meeple, walk away. <laughs> drop it, walk away. Yeah. All right. We got some train talk. Oh, my goodness. Usually, you're not a train guy. That's what I'm just not a train guy. You're I'm not, not a train I'm, guy. I'm not a train guy. This is not uh, now what most people would think when you hear the words imperial steam. Of course, you're going to hear that the, the big word on the box is steam. So people are going to think steam rails the riches or they're going to be talking about age of steam which are these kind of like much bigger heavier pick up and deliver type of economic games that kind of people would shy away from and not their cup of tea this one does it differently so i'm talking about imperial steam um published in 2021 here by oh my gosh one of our favorite companies capstone Uh games um, designed by Alexander Humer with art by Andreas Reich. And in Imperial Steam, I'm going to read us the little blurb here because... Okay. That's what we like I, to I, do. I, I, well, I, 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 I know everybody... I'm going to read this blurb and we're like, well, yeah. The, you, you, <laughs> we, we could, we could have assumed that. Every Euro game. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the Industrial Age... <laughs> <laughs> right there. <laughs> the industrial age is starting to boom. You are in need of more workers for your factories, and you also need more workers to build railroad tracks to expand your railway network. This, in turn, will enable you to deliver goods from your factories to cities with high demand, but be sure to earmark goods for fulfilling profitable public contracts because when the connection to Trieste is made, your net worth is all that matters so it's a train game (laughs) (laughs) but not in like those other games sense i'll kind of give us a little brief overview and i'm that this is going to be very brief because there is a lot going on in this game um there are 11 possible actions that you can take on your turn i'm going to say that there's actually only nine because the other two actions are there if you don't plan correctly (laughs) 
<laughs> they're kind of like the gimme actions. Like one action is put your guy there or put your action marker there, get $10. If you need to get $10 from that action, you are not playing this game right. <laughs> That's the uh, spot. <laughs> the other action is the pass, your turn, passed for the round action. And you're only taking that if you've really locked yourself out of doing everything else. So you had you didn't plan well. So there's really nine actions here. There's obviously, there's all the main ones. Building railroad tracks. That's the most complicated um, action that there possibly is. But then there's also... Hiring more workers. There is building factories. There is um, getting some, gaining um, investors. There is upgrading your trains. There is claiming contracts. There's all of these different things that could possibly go on during your turn. It is the building of the railroad track one that is the most complicated because well, okay, sorry. I, when I when I use the word when I use the word complicated, it is actually the most involved action. One of the things that's really, one of the things that really impresses me about this game is that it actually, when you're playing the game, it is not a complicated mechanically. It's not a complicated no. game mechanically. Every all the depth is in the decisions that you need to make and when and the timing of things. Um, but building your railroads, it, it just simply costs three resources. You just need a stone, iron, and a and wood, and then you can lay down two tracks on your turn up to two tracks but where you're connecting to those cities that you're connecting to need some sort of it they call it effort and this mm-hmm. is where your workers come in you start the game with only a few level one workers and level one workers only have an effort value of one <laughs> whoa mind-blowing right it's, like it's, right? it's like it's in the title so I can use my level one workers and use them to build railroad. Now some said this now cities range in effort levels from three all the way up to six. So at the end of a round, if you're if you don't use any of your workers to lay down track or anything like that, they actually get a little bit more educated and their effort levels increase. So mm-hmm. now if all the ones that I didn't use in level one now progress to level two and then they can progress to level three. So you have to be able to plan out the way that you use your workers to lay down the tracks. You also want to be paying attention to the cities that you're connecting to because all these cities provide a schwack load of different bonuses (laughs) once you connect to them. One of the big ones is that some cities provide a place where you can build a factory. And factories are a really important thing in this game, especially when you are starting to get a little low on money. Because the factory will allow you to actually gain possession of goods. Like you own the factory, you can now produce the goods. You can now deliver those goods as long as you are connected to what they call a hub city. This is not a pick up and deliver game. You are going to be doing this very little in this game as possible. There's actually only four cities on the whole big massive map that's going to take up your entire table. Because this is a table hog. (laughs) <laughs> um, but there's only four cities that you can deliver to, and each of those cities will only take each of the goods once. So there is a little bit of a race yeah. element to get your goods into those cities so that you can get the payout. Yeah. Okay, but now what if now, Ryan, what if somebody beats me to these cities? How else can I get money other than that crappy ten dollar action? <laughs> 
Well, they, you can have investors. Everybody starts with 10 possible investors um, at their disposal. But the only way that you can actually get investors is that you have to claim contracts from them. So okay. as an action, you have to get a contract. And, one of the, and there's various levels of contracts. The highest level will gain you three investors. The lowest level will get you one investor. And what these investor tokens will do as a free action, whatever your company is worth at the time, you can just, hey, sell off a piece of your company and get yeah. that money in return. Yeah. Um, now, there are various ways in the, in the game that you can increase the value of your company. And then, therefore, the, ver- the, the, the investors will give you that in return. Now, here's the catch, though, is at the end of the game, every investor that you have bought into your company, that you've taken money from, mm-hmm. they're going to take 10% of your final... Oh, that's right. Of, ...of your final income. Or, sorry, uh, your final worth at the end of the yeah. game. Yeah, So you have to really, really wage. You kind of don't want to use them very early when your company's not worth very much. You want to use them when your company is worth a lot, and therefore your, your return on investment is actually a little bit better. Um, yeah, essentially that's kind of like the, the, the very general overview of what's going on in this game. There's, it's actually very simple to play. Um, Mm -hmm. the game ends, uh, it's either going to last for eight rounds or as soon as somebody connects to that one city that I mentioned in the description to, um, uh, the Trist or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a Trist or Tristy or something along those lines. Um, if as soon as somebody connects to that one, um, at the end of that round, the game is over. Which is actually a really neat thing because if no one by the end of eight rounds connects to that city, mm-hmm. if you took contracts that are worth actually a lot of money, your your contracts are worthless. They're they're they're, they're worth zero dollars. You can't you can't do them. However, if somebody does connect to that city. And I do have contracts. I'm going to be able to claim the. I'm going to be able to claim it. Yeah. Now, if I don't connect to Tristy or Trist, whatever we're going to call it, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's called Trist. <laughs> okay. If I don't connect to Trist, I actually have to use other people's. The person who did connect to it, I have to use their railway, and I actually have to pay them for every oh, link right. that I do need to use. Yeah. So you kind of have to balance that. Or if I manage to connect to it, I don't have to actually pay that extra cool. uh, money. Now, if I do have a contract and a connection is made to Trist and I can't and I did not fulfill the requirements of the contract, I actually have to lose all of the money that that contract is worth. I have to pay mm-hmm. what that contract is worth because I didn't actually fulfill it. Yikes. So there is something if somebody's going heavy on contracts and they haven't <laughs> met them and I rush to Trist, yeah. I might actually have a chance at winning this because they're going to be so low. They're yeah. going to be so in the hole. Paying you off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So nice. I'm, already, I'm already starting to get into some of the things that I really enjoy um, about this game. Well, let's talk about them. <laughs> okay. So inside out, my um, thoughts about the components here. The box is your standard ticket to ride size box. Yeah. But this thing's stuffed. <laughs> stuffed to the max. We got a very, very, we got a very, very large trifold board that takes up most of my three by five um, kitchen table. 
That thing looks huge, yeah. We have player boards, which are very, very lovely player boards. They're a little large, but I understand why they're that large. That's to, to hold you. No, I didn't even talk about trains, but really the, train, <laughs> really the trains are there just to hold all your goods. Yeah. Because if you can't hold your goods, you can't take the goods. There you go. Um, and they also manage your, the, the player boards also manage your workers. Um, you have these. And then you also have the action tiles. And then you also have a factory board. And then you also have... <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at a picture of the setup. It's like, wow, that is a lot of real estate. But it's organized. It's, it's, there's, there's a mm-hmm. cohesive connection to it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So after all of this, it's all very nice components. Nice um, wooden yeah. components. You got the cubes. Of course, it's got to be cubes. There's, there's <laughs> nothing else. There's nothing else of what I want in this game other than cubes to represent the resources. Yeah. There's a lot of them. You can kind of see if you're like in, if you're taking a look at the board, that bottom right hand, there's a market board. Yeah. Each of those spaces need to have cubes in them so that yeah. once you start buying them, they are now um, getting worth. They're worth more and more and more and more. There's this, It's busy. It's yeah. a very busy setup. Um, now that the city tiles themselves. The, now, the printed board itself is empty, and you have to populate it with the city tiles. Mm-hmm. There are three different sets of tiles that can populate for the player counts. There's a two-player set of tiles. There's a three-player set of tiles. There's a four-player yeah. set of tiles. <laughs> so there's a lot of tiles, and you have to keep them separated based on your player count because, yes, the two-player tiles are meant for a two-player game. There's not, yeah. very, there's not as many factories involved in two players whereas in a four-player game a lot of those tiles have factory spots so that well i mean everybody can get a little bit of something yeah it's good that that at least that design parameter has been paid attention to yeah um so there's all of those tiles which is like now they have the recommended setup like your first structured setup so you actually have to organize all the tiles by their numbers and put them on all the spots Eventually, what you're going to do, is going to do, and this makes setup so much faster, is just randomly put the tiles everywhere, like Great Western Trail. Yeah, it's it's so much it's so much easier, especially in this game because there's like 27 tiles to put out onto the board. <laughs> I'm looking at all those spots. It's like, yeah, that's a lot of pregame setup. Yeah, so there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of setups, and there's like little there's like there's very finicky tiles that go all across the top that tell you how many goods you're allowed to purchase this round. Yeah. That's that's supposed to be random as well, and um, oh my goodness! So the components are top quality. Um, the money in this game is actually kind of like I'm gonna hold it up to the screen here. It's kind of like this paper money. They're like, okay, just like a stack of paper money. We don't use this. That's why it's out of the box. We just use my poker chips, my Roxley Iron Clay poker chips, which are beautifully designed for this type of game, in any game. Uh, iron Clay. Oh, yeah, they're beautiful. We use them for every single game we play, actually. We just take, take the money and toss it. Yeah. Um, let's get into the rule book. The rule book is a nice, thick, juicy rule book of 31 pages of yeah. goodness. I remember you telling me you had to do a seminar class to get through that. So <laughs> when I first got this game and when we were first playing it, there were no rules videos no. out there yet. Now there are a few out there. Um, John Gets Games gets a, has a phenomenal run through of this type of game. But I did actually have to learn this game from the rule book. And do you know what? This thing is actually really good. 
It's nice. actually laid nice. out very nicely. Even though it is on the longer side, a lot of the actions make sense. Like they're easy actions to take. There's not that. There's no edge cases in this game, really. Cool. There's not like, well, what if I do this? No, there's like none of that. It's like, yeah. no, you lay track. You need to. You need to spend extra. Oh yeah, there's some. There's some spaces on the board that cost extra. Oh yeah, you have to pay an extra coal. There's okay. no rules. There's no rules that are colliding. No. So I highly the, this rule book is very very well laid out. Even though it's on the long side, it's very good. I just would have really wished that they would have went with instead of they have a reference overview of the boards on the back mm-hmm. of the rule book. I would have rather a reference of how a turn works and just maybe a summary of the actions. That's all. That's a nitpicky thing. Yeah. Somebody um, from BGG will come up with that and put it in the files or something. Let's get to the gameplay. Yeah. Because this thing, this thing is shining on so many different, a lot of people are saying this is like their game of the year. Like it's so good. It's a, it's a, it's a very Euro version of these train type games. Yeah. I couldn't agree with them more because this is a very, even though what I've described is very big and complex, it's actually very simple to play. But this was a game that I think I described it back when Chad from a Dyson Men was on here on the mm-hmm. show. Um, this is a game that you can possibly screw yourself over in that first round. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the first round, that. you don't have very many actions. Yeah. Like you, this is a game where you gain more Food action chain. points as yeah. you're going along. Um, in those first few actions, like you could screw yourself over. Um, building a factory. Making the choice of which factory to build is actually mm-hmm. huge because there is an importance on coal, being able to produce coal because that allows you to deliver your goods. But coal doesn't give you immediate income. Yeah. Where it said, so that's what thing that I tried. I, I'm going to get the coal. Of course, you got to get coal in these games. Yeah. But it doesn't give you any immediate <laughs> income. It gives you income at the end of the game, but it doesn't give you income at the beginning or during the game. So I was. I had, to re- I had to rely on investors to give me some cash. Whereas everybody's like, no, no, I built an iron factory. I built a wood factory and now I'm getting money. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I screwed that up. So then I was, <laughs> I was playing behind yeah. for a good chunk of the game until I realized that. So these are games that you do have to make those types of decisions. You also have to take a look at which route are you going to go down to Trist? That's, mm-hmm. Did I say it right? Yeah, Trist. I think so, yeah. Um, because man, this path is going to grant me these types of bonuses. But if I take this path, oh, I'm going to get a completely different set of bonuses. Well, and that can change on the board setup all every time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. The first time that we played, um, with the random setup, I think we took like 20 minutes just analyzing the board. (laughs) Let's read the board. We got to read the board. I'm just like, Hmm, I think, Oh yeah, that that would be really good. Oh uh, yeah. And, if I know anything from what you've been telling me in stories, your wife is really good at picking out those patterns and those connections. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it, it, so if you're going to play with somebody. So I was, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this one definitely, even though the actions are very simple to play, um, planning out your turns and having somebody just come out from underneath you. Turn order in this game is important. <laughs> There's some games out there where you can say turn order like, okay, I, I, I can get by by going second. I can get by by going third. Yeah. You can't get by in this game by going second or third. <laughs> this this has that five tribes feel. 
from what I'm reading from you that it's like, if you're not going first and you have to like react to what was left to you, you're right. in a bad place. So here's a few things that really matter. On, <laughs> uh, no, I'm going nice. to have to, I would like this. So here's a few things that, that are important. Hiring workers. Being the first person to hire workers at a very cheap level is very important because now I have more workers to expand my oh, yeah. railway network and stuff like that. And they all start at a very cheap level. And as soon as you start buying workers from different um, locations on the board, um, their worth keep going up. So you have to hire them at a more, they're more desirable. Elevated price. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing that's very important. Getting to the, some of those city bonuses. Because I, you know, there's no blocking. If Jen lays down track to connect one city to another, I can still lay down track. But now if I'm the second person there, though, I actually have to give her a kickback. I have to yeah. pay her to also have some rights to yeah. that railway. I like that system where it's you're not blocked. It's just going to cost you a little shave. Um, some other things, it's the it's the influence track that de- determines the um, the player order. And that's at the very, very bottom there. Yeah. And um, the influence track just also tells you what where you can actually hire your workers from. Yeah. And it all that ultimately decides the uh, the turn order. Also, you also want to be able to deliver your goods first to certain cities. If you're if you're going second and you both have wood and that one city there still requires wood, well the person who's first yeah. is going to be able to deliver it and get the cash and you're going to be shut out of it. Yeah. So lots of things that require <laughs> you to have um uh, turn order in this game. Oh my gosh, there's so many different ways to play this game too. You could be going heavy contracts. I tried yeah. this game. It worked beautifully until yeah. the very end when somebody else <laughs> won by ten dollars. <laughs> hey, wait, isn't that one move you can make? Is it the ten dollars? Is it the ten dollar action? Yeah. If I took that once, we would have tied. <laughs> so yeah, you can have, go heavy on contracts. Now contracts require you to have factories. All the contracts require you to have factories. And so, and certain types of factories. So you can try that game. Just build factories, expand out, build the factories. Don't really have to use the resources if you don't want yeah. to. That's a bonus if you can. Yeah. Um, just getting the investors and cashing them out once you get your certain level of your company worth so much. Just start cashing them in. Big, big bucks. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's just the try to deliver to all of the cities. That's a strategy. Or just trying just to get down to, to Trist before the person can actually get their contracts. Yeah. There's so many different things that you can do with this game. I think what Alexander Humor did, which is the guy that did Lignum. Now, that's a game I do have, have oh. no experience with. A very highly regarded game. Mm-hmm. A very mm-hmm. highly regarded economic game. The German forestry industry. So makes me want to maybe look into that game because this game is fantastic. The, the choices that you have to make turn by turn. I've only just scratched the surface of what this game has to offer. So, yeah. Now, I really didn't mention anything more about the trains. The trains are there just to kind of hold your goods. They also take up spaces when you want to uh, acquire a contract. Okay. Which is kind of a neat thing because you have to upgrade your trains eventually because if you want to take contracts, you need to have space. You have to have allocated space on your train for that contract type of thing. So 
man, oh man, there's so many. I haven't even got into like buying goods and <laughs> reserving goods, but that's all part of this game too. It's the very easy actions to take place. Where am I sitting with Imperial Steam? What's the unique thing? <laughs> now, I don't. I wouldn't say there's a lot unique about this, but man, oh man, just the way that they simplified this economic engine. Yeah. For you. Because you're not a train guy, but you know this game. I love people. Like, now, I, I, I kind of made this comparison and it made Ian go, huh. Um, I compare this to Brass. If you like Brass, yeah. you're going to love this game. Okay. Okay. I would take this one. Like, now, Brass is a very highly regarded game. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, you can draw a lot of comparisons in the way that, like the route building and the economics behind it. Um, I would put this one just a slight step more complicated than brass, not by much, yeah, but just maybe a slight step up. Is there room for both in your collection? Absolutely. Brass is fantastic. <laughs> this one's fantastic. Yeah. This one's more of a table hog. Like you, you make sure you have a good chunk of real estate. Brass. So. Um, your people are probably where, where are you ranking this, Ryan? You're kind of talk, you're kind of bloating, you're gloating about it. <laughs> this is a fantastic. I'm not sure if I want to put this on the top shelf, but this is ever very close to the top shelf. It's sitting on the middle, very inching close. But I will say this: when I do release my top ten of the year 2021, Imperial Steam is on that list. It's a top right. ten of 2021. Cool. I might even go say, as far as spoiler alert, it's top five of 2021. Super fantastic game. I just wish that it had more distribution here in Canada. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of places that have it. Um, So so if you can go ahead, if you can go ahead, some of the uh, out east online retailers have it in stock. So go take a look at like 401 and Board Game Bliss. Just Board Mm -hmm. Game Oracle it. Yeah. And it'll, it'll pop up in different places. Um, oh, this game is fantastic. It's great. It's, it's, it's so good. My, cool. fin- my complaints about it though, are the time it takes to set up and the yeah. time it takes to put it away. I actually have, I actually got Plano boxes inside of the box. there just to keep components organized until folded space comes out with a uh, <laughs> folded space as, insert as soon as an insert is available for this one i am buying it 100 <laughs> percent because man does it need one bad <laughs> well i mean it sounds like it's worth the game though so oh it's fantastic and i believe when i picked it up it was like 60 bucks yeah oh everything wow. everything that i described was 60 dollars Wow. You're getting wow. a huge, huge game wow. for this. Capstone Games, keep on knocking it out of the park. Man, oh, man. Can you please sponsor this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> or just come and hang out and talk with us. Um, so cool, yeah. I'll, so, yeah, I'll settle for either, either. <laughs> right on. Well, the, that's uh, that's bringing us up to the, the closing of this, and uh, I'm so, I hope... I hope we've said some uh, interesting things about the games that we reviewed. And um, that being said, I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Mr. Pennybags. I mean, money ba- what's that guy from the minute? I'm Ryan. And we'll <laughs> catch you later. <laughs>
This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039. We'll be right back.